Well, what is going on, everybody? In case you were not here when I first introduced myself, maybe online you were eating a biscuit and you missed who I was. My name is Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Vision. As we continue on, I want you guys to keep Pastor Brady and his wife Amy in your prayers. Amy came down with coronavirus, so if y'all could be praying for them. Uh, Brady called me and said, hey, you're up. I got a quarantine. I was like, okay, praise God. So here we go. Um, here we go. So just keep them in your prayers as we navigate from here. This has been a heck of a year. Can we just say that out loud? It has been a year. And I think for such a time as this, as we have found ourselves walking through the story and the narrative of Exodus, what perfect timing for us to look at the nation of Israel as they're navigating through the ins and outs, the ups and downs of life, and really stepping into freedom from this grasp of bondage. And I think it's such a timely, timely word for all of us, because we all have felt the tension and we have all felt the weight. And the nation of Israel are going to find themselves today as we look at Exodus chapter 14, they're going to find themselves in the midst of a rock and a hard place, which for us today, maybe that describes where you are right here and right now. You feel as if you are between a rock and a hard place. And hear me, God has some wisdom and some clarity for us wherever we may find ourselves. And so today, we're going to be talking about some things that we need to remember when we feel hemmed in. And we're going to look at the nation of Israel and see what things they needed to remember when they felt hemmed in by Egyptians army, the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. And so right where you are, I want to invite you to pray, for, to pray together with me today. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you do. Lord, we find ourselves in uncharted territory. So we pray that you will give us wisdom and clarity because we do not understand it all, but we know that all wisdom comes from you. So open up our hearts and our minds to receive the word you have for us today. Not my words, but your words, oh God. And God, we pray that the words that we hear today and the truth that is exposed today, that we do something with it. Let us not be a people that are just hearers of the word, but let us also be hearers and doers of the word as well. And Father, we love you. Father, thank you for this opportunity, and thank you for the story of the Israelites that we can look to and learn from. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus. Chapter 14 is where we're going to begin the journey. We're going to kind of look at some passages throughout Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to pull some truth out so that will help us better navigate the journey ahead. And what we're talking about again today is what to remember when you feel hemmed in, which is a very timely, timely word for us. So remember, the nation of Israel has just walked out of Egypt. They have plundered the Egyptians. They have the gold. They have silver. They have all these treasures from the Egyptians, and they are walking towards their promised land. They are walking in step with God, and they're going on a journey to the place in which he had promised them, and then they're going to find themselves in the midst of a place that they never thought they would find themselves in. They're going to find themselves in a place where they truly are hemmed in, and they're going to have to remember these things well, and we have to remember these things well also. Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haroth, between Migdal and the sea. 
They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Belzephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. First thing we need to remember when we're hemmed in, God may have allowed it and caused it. So the Israelites were called to camp right out by the sea. And Pharaoh's heart was already beginning to harden. And so God just allowed Pharaoh to keep walking the way he was walking. Why would God allow that? Because God is going to get the glory from this scenario and this situation. Listen, I'm telling you, in the midst of darkness, the light shines brighter and God gets more glory. So you might be sitting here, might be wondering, like, God, I don't want you to allow this to happen. But God is like, listen, I'm still in control and I'm still moving and I'm still working. You'll just be better able to see it in the midst of really chaos. And we don't like that. Let me speak for myself. I don't like that. Like, really, when I'm obedient and I'm saying yes to God, I want him to make it easy. Anybody else there? Like, God, I said yes. So make it easy. And God's like, Nick, I'm not about ease. I'm about my glory. And I'm inviting you to be a part of that. And sometimes being obedient and the pathway will lead you through chaos, through valleys. But I'm still good and I'm still going to reveal that to you. And then Philip Ryken said said it this way. It was not the most obvious way. It was not the shortest way. It was not the most direct way. But it was the best way because it was God's way. I'm going to read that quote again. He's talking about the journey that the nation of Israel went on. It said, it was not the most obvious way. Ever been there? Ever been in a place where you're like, God, do you know what you're doing? God, do you see what's going on? God, I was obedient. This does not seem like the best way. Remember, he has a better perspective than we do. It was not the shortest way. Listen, I want it right here and right now. Let's be quick. But God always reminds us that it's about the process too. It was not the most direct way, but it was the best way because it was God's way. And we also cannot forget that God loves seemingly impossible situations. Why? Because it better reveals his glory. God is a God that does some of his best work in the midst of the messes of circumstances and situations. You can look at yourself and go, man, I was a hot mess, and then Jesus stepped in. Like, he does some of his best work in the midst of some of life's hardest circumstances. And we have to always remember not to view God's goodness through the lens of our circumstances. Can I say that again to you? Do not view the goodness of God through circumstances. We have to view our circumstances through the goodness of God. Through the lens of the fact that the tomb is empty. Everybody, listen, God is not up in heaven pacing. Like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen down there. (laughs) He's not doing that. Why? Because he knows that he's already answered our biggest need through the cross of Jesus. Everybody, let me remind you of this. And if you don't hear anything else today, the tomb is empty. Let me just say it again. In case you were wondering, right, did Jesus get back in there? He's not in that tomb, y'all. The tomb is empty. He knows what he's doing. He is at work, and he's continuing to work. We can trust him, and he does some of his best work in the midst of impossible situations. Verse number 10. As Pharaoh approached, 
the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Let's pause here. Can you imagine? Like you got your gold, you got your silver, you probably wearing your crown, but like, oh God, it's so good. Look at what I got. Then they look behind them and what do they see? Egyptians. Uh-oh. God, they're coming. <laughs> and they lose all cooth and coolness, right? They're like, we're about to die. Isn't it crazy? And you might look at the Israelites and be like, Israelites have faith, but this is you too. Y'all didn't like that because no one responded to that. Maybe I spoke to soon. This is me. God has moved and worked and moved and worked and moved and worked and moved and worked, but yet I come to another circumstance and an obstacle, and I'm like, God, are you going to move and work? He's going to move and work. Verse number 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. What a turn. I mean, it has come off the rails pretty quickly. Moses, we told you we didn't want to leave. We told you you should have just left us alone. We told you we just wanted to be slaves. These people have lost their mind. As I read this, man, I see myself reflected in it, though. God, if I would just kept living the same way I was living, everything would have been okay. No, it wouldn't have, everybody. You know that is not true. Verse 13, Moses answered, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What do we need to remember when we feel hemmed in? Stand firm. Stand in what God has done and what God is doing. Stand firm in the complete answer that he's offered to us through what Jesus did on the cross in his resurrection. Stand firm. You might be going, hey, Nick, that sounds really easy. How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. For one, don't play the blame game. Don't fix your eyes on the circumstances, but fix your eyes on the king who's in charge of all things. Don't play the blame game. This is what the nation of Israel is doing. It's like, listen, Moses, you and God should have left us in Egypt. We were doing okay. Everything was fine. Despair sometimes will put the blame on God. God, why did you do this? I have been obedient. You should do your part. Listen, God is doing his part. And sometimes despair will lead to exaggeration. We see that with the Israelites. We want to stay in slavery. No, you did not. Slavery was not best. Let me say this to us. Living life outside of Jesus was not best. It cost us a lot. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes, well, it was easier. No, it was not. It cost you way more than you wanted to pay to be disobedient. Let's just be real. But yet here the Israelites are and going, hey, I'm blaming everybody. I'm blaming my circumstances on others. Everything has gone crazy, but they're exaggerating. They have forgotten who was in their midst. 
We have to be a people that remember well. Let me give you some homework. Some of y'all students are going, Nick, we just got off fall break. Don't talk about homework. It's going to be okay. Here's what I want you to do, and I want you to do this. Maybe after you eat a biscuit for lunch, go and do this. I want you to write down 10 ways that God has been good to you. And let me just go ahead and give you, tell you this. It's probably going to be more than 10 ways. But I want you to write down how God has come through, how God has shown you favor, how God has loved you, and everyone has a number one. Jesus died for me. That's a pretty strong one to start with. Jesus has invited me to dine at his table, and he calls me a son or a daughter, even though I'm not worthy. There's number two. I can fill out your whole list if you want. But I want you to write down how God has come through for you because you need to remember that when circumstances sometimes speak to something different than what is true. Another thing in order to stand firm, don't play the blame game, but also choose faith over fear. Fear says go back to Egypt. Fear says go back to that sin that so easily used to entangle you. Fear says let's do it the way we used to do it. But faith says, I'm going to trust in spite of circumstances because I know the king is still on his throne. Choose faith over fear. And the way that your faith grows is through hearing. Read God's word. What you're going to do when you explore God's word is you're going to see a bunch of people who were called to follow God. They went through valleys. They went through dark times. But we're going to see that God still came through. In the midst of a hopeless situation, Jesus stepped in the midst of the mess and offered redemption and hope. That's what you're going to see. And so you have to feed your faith by being reminded of what is true. Hebrews 10 verse 39 says this. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. How do we stand firm? Also, you hold your place until he reveals his plan. You hold your place until he reveals his plan. See, the nation of Israel could have just said, you know what, I'm just going to swim across the Red Sea. It'll be fine. They could have got their donkey and be like, I'm just going to float in the donkey. It's going to be fine. Some of y'all are thinking, what's wrong with you? A lot, everybody. That's only the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) They could have done it their own way. It would have failed. But we all have this temptation of, hey, God, you're not moving quick enough. I'm just going to fix it. Can I tell you, all the times I've tried to do it myself, it gets worse. And then I look at God and be like, this is your fault. He's like, I told you to wait. Yeah, but you take it too long. Listen, hold your place and stand firm and fix your eyes on the king. It's this active waiting of God, wherever you call me to walk, I will go. I'm going to remind myself of what's true. I'm going to fix my eyes on you, and I'm going to fix my eyes again and again on you. And guys, hold your place until he reveals his plan. For some of you right now, you're walking through in your marriage, you're like, whoo, I'm about to kick my spouse. It's hard. We're not seeing eye to eye. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to take my next step. And listen, God is working, everybody. Yes. Maybe it's another scenario, a situation where God's like, just trust me, I'm at work. One of the best postures for you to be in is on the posture where you are praying and surrendering this to me. Because I am working. 
When you feel him, then you also have to remember, I love this part, God is fighting for you. Maybe just inhale and exhale that, y'all. You have an active God who is fighting on your behalf, who has not forgotten about you, who has not forsaken you, who has not given up on you. He has not left his throne. He is still doing what he always does. He is fighting for you. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. In verse 25, it says, the Egyptians realized that the Lord is fighting for the nation of Israel. Here's what's crazy to me about that. Is the nation of Egypt, the, the Egyptians are watching what God is doing in the midst of the Israelites. He sees the fact that he is splitting a sea in two. They see the fact that he goes before them. And then they also see the fact that he is hemming them up in the back. But yet they still pursue him. Y'all crazy. I'm just going to tell you right now, if I'm an Egyptian and I'm seeing a sea split in front of the Israelites, I see God hemming them up in the back and God leading them and he's in their midst, you can go. Not today, Pharaoh, I'm going home. Because this is not going to end well. God fights for you. God is faithful to fight for us even when we are unfaithful. And you might be going, Nick, where are you getting that from? Do y'all remember earlier on when we read scripture and it said that the Israelites were like, we should have died in Egypt, right? They were blaming God, but what does God do? He is still faithful. Hear me, everybody. God's faithfulness is not based on your faithfulness. It's not. God is not waiting for you to move so he'll move. No, God is going, hey, I always take the first step. I always pay the price, and I want you to respond to my faithfulness with faithfulness. So God is not mad at the, mad at the Israelites. He's going, you know what? I'm going to make a way, even though you guys are unbelieving people and are unfaithful people, because I know what I'm dealing with. I'm faithful. And you're going to respond to my faithfulness, because God made the move before anybody else would. When God fights, he completely destroys. Hear me, God is not a halfway God, everybody. He doesn't halfway lead us to abundance. He doesn't halfway lead us to salvation. He doesn't halfway let us have a seat at his table. He does it all the way. Exodus 14 verse 30 says this, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. That's one of those verses where you don't need to wonder what it means, right? I wonder what that means. Well, it means that they died. They're messing with God's people. God don't play. He completely answered their needs. Psalm 77, verse 16, speaks of this moment that God saved these people. It says this. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock. By the hand of Moses and Aaron. When you're hemmed in, you need to remember you will either be humbled or humiliated. The people of God, the nation of Israel, they were humbled. It says this. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all the night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And they trusted. They said, hey, we can't make a way, but you can. And they walked through on dry ground. But Pharaoh... He did not humble himself. When we are hemmed in, we will either be swept away by grace or judgment. Pharaoh led with pride and he was swept away. The Israelites responded with humbleness and trust and faith and God made a way. See, I love this passage of scripture and I really love what's going on today as we emphasize taking your next step of obedience because see, God made a way. He provided for the nation of Israel away, he was faithful. And then them walking through the waters was a picture of God's faithfulness. See, baptism is this picture that Jesus answered it in full, our biggest need. He paid our price for us. He made a way where there was no way. And when we accept that, we go public with our faith and go, listen, I want everybody to know that I was dead, but he made me alive. That I was lost, but he has found me. I was far away, but he brought me near. He, he demonstrated his love for me that while yet I was still a sinner, what did he do? He died. And so we walk, and we are obedient, and we respond through baptism. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you need to be reminded of today, but maybe today is today where you take your next step. If you would, I would ask you to bow your heads with me. For those in this place in the line that have never accepted this free gift of grace that God offers to us, maybe right here, right now, in this moment, it's the time to say yes. If you never said yes to what Jesus has done for you, what he has done on your behalf, then maybe today is today. And if you could say something like this, Dear Jesus, I do not understand it all. Nobody does. But the best way I know how, I say yes to your perfect life that you lived. I say yes to the fact that you surrendered your life on a cross. I say yes to the fact that three days later you got up overcoming death and showing me that through you I can overcome death as well. I say yes to my seat at your table to become as your son or your daughter, to put my robe on, to put my ring on, and to recognize that I have been invited to the family. I say yes. And if you pray something like this on the authority of God's word, it says that you will be saved. Another way to say that is you have your seat at the table. Maybe you've already said yes and taking your seat at the table, but maybe, just maybe, you have not taken that next step of obedience. I want to invite you, whatever your step is, if it's saying yes right here and right now, you're responding to that. If it's saying yes to your next step, we want to walk well with you. You can meet us at the Next Steps room. You can message us online. But I want to encourage you to take a step where God 
has made a highway through the sea. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you. And Father, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.